I'm going to say two things. The, the, the correct answer is everybody. Uh, but the better answer that I've stolen from Caitlin Burgoyne is the person closest to the customer wins. If mm -hmm. sales is closest to the customer, we, we run into the problems and hear all the things that Steve said. If customer success is closer to the customer, then you hear all the bad stuff. If product management or, or people who care about products and customers, specifically us six, are closest to the customer, then we win. And when we win, we get to make better products that change their uh, lives. Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello everybody, Grant Hunter here for another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. Steve, a couple of weeks ago, somebody shared a video of a very well-known thought leader talking about how business value is more important than customer value. You need to start with business value and solve for business value and then figure out what customer value you should create. And it, it, it irked me. Uh, mm. Is that too strong of a word, irk? Sure, irk is good. All right, it irked me because, uh, you know, maybe it's the school of Drucker in me, but it's like, it all starts with the customer, what their, their wants, their needs, their under and unmet needs and wants and what they value. And I feel like if you start with business value, you leave that, uh, you, you, it sort of constrains what you could do and where you could go and you, you leave some opportunities. So I decided let's start where I want to start with customer value. <laughs> <laughs> And well, you know, but you're, you're talking about the two phrases that are the biggest impediments to success is if we build it, they will come. And I talked to a guy. Yeah. Right. And, you know, neither one of those is we researched the problems in a market and decided to solve the problem in a way that we profit from, as opposed to, oh, we might be able to profit from this. This is how you come second. And, and actually, Roger Martin in his latest book, and I can't remember the name of it, actually did, you know, has research that shows that if you start with business value versus before customer value, it's, you know, he goes, you need to start with customer value. So I, I thought I, I looked through the logs of all the conversations we've had on topic of the week and realized the only time we ever talked about customer value was in a pricing discussion like two some years ago. And I'm like, how can we as business of products, strategic product, how can we actually have gotten over a hundred episodes without customer value being one of the main topics? So we corrected it this week. And this week we're going to be talking about understanding customer value. I think one of the most incredible important things and that's actually the question we put and in. what we could do is we could post date this to two years ago <laughs> and then it'd be like our first topic yeah it probably should have been we should have started there but we didn't 
So we asked the question on Monday, what is your approach to understanding customer value? May, I always love your answers because they always make me think and they always add to, to my thinking. Uh, so you said, uh, there's only so much a single PM can do. So it's in our best interest that everyone understands customer value. Completely agree. And the key is a systematic access to information. Interest uh, tends to follow rapidly. So talk to me through you know, your, your take on how do we best do this? Yeah, so because I don't exactly work at a PM level, um, it's more about how do we get everyone to understand customer value? And in order to get there, I think it's a lot more about having the right systems that let people start to understand it. And when it starts, it's, it, it, you, you, you get a little closer and it's about the incremental steps that you can take to get there. So the first most important thing I think is access to data. Um, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of PMs that I talk to, they, their number one complaint is that they don't have access to data. And it's, it's wild that in 2023, a product manager would not have access to data, right? Um, or it's extremely limited access to data or it's access to like the one dashboard that the data team will review to you, right? So the number one priority is getting access to data. That, that's yep. it. Um, and it's, it's access to data for everyone, all right? Yep. So once you have access to data, that's not enough. You need accessible access to data because just because you have a login doesn't mean you'll use it, right? So if you are a designer and you're not really well versed in the world of data, like how likely are you going to look at the data, right? So what if it's easy enough to use, you've done the necessary training, um, why can't salespeople go in and look at data? Why can't we expect, create that expectation that everyone coming to you with an idea has checked the data to say, hey, like what I'm saying is true because like, look at, look at this data backing up my claim, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> it's, it's interesting because the accessible access to data, I I've had a few debates on the social media sites about somebody keeps saying that one of the biggest skills for product managers is to know how to write SQL query queries. And I tend to say, no, I don't think that's something we should be focused on. There's data analysts we have for that. But, you know, is this where the whole reporting and BI stuff has really, you know, the tableaus and that type of stuff, is this what you're talking about? I came across a tool where you type in the thing and then ChatGBT will generate the SQL query for you, or oh, like wow. the, their their version of like their text implemented AI will generate the SQL query based on you know your data structure in mm -hmm. that specific tool. So I think like how much do you need to know SQL if you need to dive really deep? Sure, right. Um, yeah. And the other two things are or three things: access to users, access to curated learning, where you like distill that information to people who don't have time to go and dig deeper, and then access to discussions to get people used to talking about what they've learned, but also challenging the status quo and creating that culture of psychological safety. So that's, that's the uh, five-pronged 
extremely <laughs> wild approach to and to beginning to structure a system where people can understand customer value. What I like though is you tie the say I'll say the subjective or qualitative with the access to users, curated learning, and discussions to the objective or quantitative with the data that's accessible to use. So you can, if you can get to a point where you can understand the value you're creating for them because you understand their business, their pains, what you do for them, that's an amazing point. Even in, in our metric stuff, we like, if you could have a metric, which is value created for your customer, wouldn't that be wonderful? Cause you understand it so well, Steve, I, I, I keep thinking about your uh, macro tool. Yes. I get a week, I get an email every week from text expander saying, here's how much time we saved you in typing this week. Uh, and also Grammarly has started uh, sending me emails uh, telling me how wonderful I'm, uh, I am as a writer, uh, which I, I'm truly delighted by. They're like, you know, you wrote this many words this week and <clears throat> you used more vocabulary than 90% of our customers and, and all sorts of, of glowing things about my writing, which it just cracks me up every time I read it. But I keep using the products because they yeah. keep reminding me how valuable they are to me. So it's not we caught 15 dangling participles? No, no. <laughs> I, they catch that in real time. But they don't tell me a report about it. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, Dutch, I, I love the simplicity that you started with your answer. You said the solution can't give value if it doesn't solve the problem. You can't solve a problem unless you truly understand what it is and why it exists. I mean, this is like going back to first principles, right? You have to. You always have to go back to the basics. You know, in order to understand the value, you have to know what they wanted out of it to begin with. You know, they 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 want to they want to have a you know, well, so going to a quote that Henry Ford allegedly said, you know, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for faster horses. Um, you know, they may have asked for a, a mode of transportation that was self-propelled or something that they didn't need to feed or something like that. They were already, the Wright brothers were already making bicycles. Maybe they needed to make a tricycle or a quadcycle or something else. No, they made an airplane. Um, you know, the, it's, it's a matter of what resources do you have? What problem are you trying to solve? Um, and I think I mixed my metaphors there with Ford and uh, the Wright brothers, but I think you guys know where I'm going. I, I, actually, actually, I, I want to go deep on this Dutch because yeah. I truly believe that transportation, you know, whatever mode is one of the most messed up, you know, it's like, how come Hertz or Ford, for that matter, couldn't think of Zipcar, right? If you're solving the problem of getting from point A to B, right? Isn't that what Ford does? Right. We get stuck, and, and maybe this is making well, my back to A, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. But it, maybe this goes to the, my opening, right? If you're focused only on business value, it limits you to what was already within your current realm and business model and what's going on. Right. And I think that, Grant, I think that the automotive companies are in the automotive business. They don't think of yeah. themselves as being in anything else. And right. as they look ahead to self-driving cars, they're like, this could really impact our business. Yeah, well, it really and, could. 
they're they're in the business of building and selling cars. There was also a model where they could have rented cars, mm -hmm. but no, they're letting other companies buy their cars and they're handling it. So yes, there's a problem. Yes, there's a solution for it, but does the business need to solve that problem? Or is that a first another business? And so, you know, what what value are you giving to your customers in your niche set and be a master of that? Um, you know, and and going back to like what, what Maze was saying about making sure that the whole company understands what value you're giving customers. You know, I, I worked with an organization that you know, one of the user types was supposed to be anonymous. And every time someone had a great idea, they're like, oh, we can do this. And I'm like, okay, I've been preaching this for over a year that these, these users are anonymous and that feature can't be possible with an anonymous user. So because I kept saying it, it obviously wasn't being translated. Recognized. And yeah. so I started asking the question, I was like, okay, so if you were an anonymous user, how, how, what value would that give to you? And they're like, oh yeah, we can't do that because they're anonymous. I mean, so I put it on them of trying to answer their own question instead of me telling them, stop doing these things before you even come to me with it, make sure that it makes sense and that it's adding the right value. And uh, you know, Dotson, I'm gonna take this chance to go down a path here because you really sure. triggered it for me first. <laughs> Just what you said, part of the approach to understanding customer value is not just us getting it, but helping empower the whole organization with it. <clears throat> I was, I, Dutch, you brought me into a thread on LinkedIn where somebody was <laughs> saying that there's no difference between product owner and product manager. They're the same thing. And that was the biggest mistake they ever made thinking it wasn't. And, and I asked the question, why would you say this? I said, well, as a product owner, I didn't have a full understanding of the why. And the only way you could get a full understanding of the why is as a product manager. So I need to do both. I'm like, no, you just had a bad product manager. <laughs> you had a bad product strategy person. You ask the product manager or you ask customers. Yeah. And, and, and so part of the part of the understanding, the part of the customer value thing is we need to realize it's not just for us, right? It's for everybody in the organization. And if we can get everybody in the organization understanding that, thinking that, living that. Holy crap, what a great, would you rather be going, hey, we're changing these people's lives by doing X, Y, or Z, that's saving them time, saving them money, making them feel safe, whatever it may be, or hey, we're increasing our retention rate by 5%. Which one is, are you going to get people lined up behind? Sorry, I'm back to my business value versus customer value. The second thing, the but second thing. can I jump thing, in on that? Yeah. Um, I I had a session years ago with the product manager for, um, shoot, uh, what is the tool that keeps track of your expensive car? Like LoJack? Yes, there we go. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Literal track. Like, where is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the LoJack product manager said that they had uh, a, 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 a customer had made kind of a, you know, just kind of a humorous comment that I need a LoJack for my dad now that he has Alzheimer's. And the product manager went, huh? And they went out and they interviewed a few dozen people who, are, who had relatives with Alzheimer's and they were they raced back to the office saying 
we've found a very real problem that we are uniquely qualified to solve. And the whole business, they created a whole new business unit around uh, this customer value that they were uniquely qualified to solve. Uh, and he said it was so fascinating to talk to people uh, who who were the the potential buyers, you know, their emotional uh, gains that they were perceiving, but also to talk to development and sales and marketing. And everybody just instantly grokked this important problem and said, oh man, we need to help these people. And it wasn't, we need to help these people so we can make money. It was, we need to help these people. And that's understanding customer value. Completely yeah. and totally. One one quick tie just uh, with the LoJack thing. I'm sure you guys have all heard heard or remember the, the club, that steering yep. wheel lock. I still and see them around the neighborhood here. Yeah, I mean, it's a good product and all, but you know, when people started suing the club for uh, the fact that people were sawing through the steering wheel so that they could get the club off and then stealing the car, well, it wasn't the club's fault because you didn't. They didn't beat the club; they beat the steering wheel, and so <laughs> the the value was still there, according to the company, because they, you know, what was uh, navigated around was something else and not their product. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's uh, no value. It's similar to the big U-bolt locks for bikes that people could break with a uh, big pen, right? Because they had the hex key. The one other thing I wanted to get to was this: we were talking about transportation versus automotives. My idea, which I've never been in a place to do, and it only will resonate with people who own homes and need to think about it, is I think you should have an exterior remodeling company. And you go to people and you say, you want to make the outside of your house look good. Here are your options. We could do siding or we could paint it. And here are the costs. You have painting companies and you have siding companies. But the reality is, the problem is I want my house, outside of my house to look better. Sorry, I just needed to get that in there. But it's understanding the customer problem. It made me think about it. I'm sorry, I digress. Dominic, you're gonna- existing, by the way. What? There's a company existing. We can take that offline, by the way. All right. It's, I'm glad somebody thought of it. But I just thought if the problem is, how do I know what the best solution is? But again, mm -hmm. I digress. Dominic, you're gonna bring us back because your first, first sentence made my week. You said you love the topic. Yes, I do love the topic. I mean, look, uh, it's all about the customer. Um, what I tend to do say is that no customer, no paycheck, right? Uh, and then obviously business value, right? But that's that's the ultimate. So when you start understanding that it's no paycheck, you pay attention to the customer value. <laughs> so, so my my response to this question was uh, if, if yeah, fewfolds. Um, understanding, you know, like we said early on, you know, the, the, the needs, expectation uh, of the customer, but I, I would dig a little bit deeper into which customer, right? Uh, and, and clearly identifying personas, because th th this is where we're leaving on the side sometimes um, customers that we have not identified in a, uh, you know, in a business model. And I think understanding the various personas we are dealing with is absolutely key. And uh, to add to the data uh, needs that Maywan uh, was mentioning early on, I may be old school, but um, visit your customer, sit down with the customer, 
take the customer by hand and understand how he uses or lives the product. And you know, from various experiences, we, we realized that uh, in a portfolio we had, we had some products and in doing so, we're identifying new business models, new areas, and I'm, I'm talking about white spaces, right? It, this continuous you know, element of uh, feedback loop. Uh, when you talk with the customers, sometimes, and, and Corey, you were mentioning you know, you know, early on, it's like you know, sometimes the customer doesn't know what, what he needs or we, we're selling. You know, uh, it, it's important that we walk with the customer and live the customer's pain point, right? Uh, to, to, to get to what we're trying to accomplish. I completely and totally agree. And I think it's the value, understanding the value that they're going to get, understanding what they're trying to solve the problem. And we're going to see a lot of it this year. I was just working with a client uh, this week who has an AI-based product coming out. And I was reading some of the problem stories. And it's like many of the problem stories are purely just, oh, we can do AI to do, we can use AI to do something. I'm like, well, what is, what, why? What are they going to, you know, do they care? Who is the persona? What's the problem they have? What gets better? Why do they need this? And I, I, uh, I, we were talking market problem statements. I'm like, you need a who, you need a what, you know, who has a problem, your persona, the segment, what is the problem and why would they want to change? And so I crafted a problem statement for them based on some of the data they shared. And the client was like, wow, yeah, we don't do that here. That would be really good. But I think that's the thing is if you can't really do that too often, somebody earlier mentioned that if you build it, they will come type stuff, right? If you don't really understand the user or the problem, the persona, the value they're going to get, you, you're not, you shouldn't do it. And that's what I said to him. If you can't tell me your differentiation, if you can't tell me the segmentation you're going after, and if you can't tell me the value prop, you shouldn't be building it, right? Those three things, may. On the topic of user, or sorry, um, site visits, as Dan was saying, it, it's really interesting the different levels of insights you get when you're physically in person. Because like in, in this age, we're so used to Zoom calls, we're so used to like asking questions over a virtual medium. But, you know, uh, we had a dedicated user research team in my previous company, and they they went on site and they would they, they go to a lot of different sites and observe how they work and the things that they found at every single site like the amount of information that comes back because of the little nuances from the day-to-day -day fed so much into it I remember the first time a product manager went to a site because um, we finally had them open it, it was like oh my gosh, I have so many new ideas. My entire roadmap needs to be trashed now. Uh, <laughs> let's start over because like what we're building they don't. the customer value. Exactly, right? But yeah. like, it doesn't matter how much research or how much talking you do until you see it in practice, it's, it's different. And even for things that aren't physical, like just watching someone use a software. I remember a PM went to just literally sit behind someone and watch them use their software. And he came back and said, we're doing this all wrong. <laughs> they used uh, 20 workarounds. <laughs> no, I, I, it's just, and seeing those workarounds is so, so important. And I, I remember I was a VP of product at a company 
where people were searching for chemical terms and that type of stuff, which even chemists don't know how to spell some of them properly. And what they found was people were punching out to Google to use the predictive text to spell it properly, copying and pasting it. And if you're a paid content product, the last thing you want is people go using Google because eventually they may, may leave and we, we fixed that, but it, it's so critical. Corey, I feel like this whole past part of the conversation is your answer. Well, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, I just, my approach to it is watching them do their job. Um, I, I have sat with dozens and dozens of people watching them work, watching them how they work. And I don't care how they do it. I just want to understand what tools they use, how much do they use, use our product or use, have the problem or whatever is, see where that is. And I love it when they get emotional. So it kind of leads into other answers, but I love it when I see them bang their fist or throw their hands up or go, oh my God, I got to wait for this. Or, hey, now it's time for coffee because this thing's going to take 15 minutes. I love those types of moments because they show you where the impact is. They show you where they value things. They as individuals trying to get a job done, that's what they find valuable. Not what the company wants them to do, not what their manager is pushing them to do, but what they find valuable. Or even in a, in a commercial, uh, uh, a BDC setting, what do they want to do? You know, is it is it something where, you know, they just want sandpaper that works better? Do they want an app that works better? Do they want, you know, to sit down and watch TV and not have to sign in and say, it's my account, not the kid's account. Yes, I care about this. No, I don't care about that. And please stop asking me questions so I can watch my show. Whatever it is, watch them work, find out where they're struggling. And that's where you can look and say, this is the thing that is an unmet, customer need and they would find that valuable no i i completely completely and totally agree steve i'm remembering a 2020 episode with idio about innovation do you know where the, about the, they went to the grocery store i well you go ahead and tell the story because i don't remember all the details of it but one thing about idio that always bothered me is they said they basically say you can't do this you have to hire us to do this but in there, in, in the episode that you're, you're, I think you're thinking of, is they did go to the store and observe the way people bought and the number of times they had to run around a counter, a, 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 an aisle to the next aisle and check on something. And they completely redesigned, redesigned the shopping cart, which was uh, a very clever prototype. I don't know if it uh, ended up being viable as a business. I, I so they, they built, what they did is they watched how people shopped and how they did produce first and bakery last and different things that you need to do. And they did redefine the prototype. The prototype itself never came out. But if you go to the grocery store now and see those smaller ones with two baskets that are, you know, stacked with mm -hmm. a, a holder, that actually was the, the, what came out of it. And I'll tell you, when I go to the grocery store, that's the one I want, Right. They watched people and they made it, instead of just some big warehouse of a cart, they made it a little better organized uh, mm -hmm. for you to use. And so, Brilliant. but it was, it was all about going and watching how people use it and how they want to interact with it. And now I think we have a record for the most hands raised at any one time in topic of the week history. So we're going to start with Corey uh, and then we'll go to Dutch. So a real quick value story. And I made this decision because of uh, this, this is how I made this decision. I was looking at which of the warehouse clubs do I want to join? Sam's Club, Costco. Liked them both, went to both, tried them out. Uh, one was busier than the other. 
the thing that made me pick Sam's Club is they have an app on my phone where I can check out by myself with my phone. I can pay on my phone. I don't have to get in any lines. And bypassing the 15 people in the eight lines at the front of the store is more valuable to me than saving an extra dollar or two. But the fact that I can get in and out of that store and not have to deal with as many humans as possible means they sold me. And that's why I picked that. That was the value for me. Time is money too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's understanding the persona we talked about earlier. What do we value? Dutch. Uh, a $170 million example of not understanding customer value. Uh, how do you remember the, the Amazon Fire Phone? Yep. About 10 years ago or so, Jeff Bezos was like, we need to be competitive in the telecommunication market. We need to be able to have people using our apps and everything. So we're going to end up making a phone. Make it happen. And every time any new features came around, you know, the product from what I heard, you know, the product team was like, why are we building this? Because Jeff said to build it. They really didn't go to the market and try to understand what people would want. You know, they, they were very limited. They, the pricing was pretty much on par with all the rest of the competition, as opposed to following their normal business model of undercutting the competition price-wise. Uh, very limited on the app store for Amazon and just it, it, it failed in an extremely short period of time. Um, and it was... The, their why was because Jeff said, not because customers want to do this. Well, didn't Facebook do the whole thing with the video calling type stuff? Uh, I mean, a, a similar fail. Yeah, but, I mean, that's still available on their, you know, through their messaging app, but. Uh, but the standalone unit for grandma at home, so she could. Uh, oh, yeah, I think it's still a product, but yeah. it's not heavily marketed anymore. It, some, sometimes the vanity projects definitely forget about customer value. So. I wanted to share an eye chart and it, it's not, I'll put it in the stuff uh, here. Can you highlight me, Steve? I was working, this client I was working with this week uh, was worrying, you know, we were talking about customer value and this is from Bain, they, from a HBR article, they created their B2B value pyramid and it starts with table stakes. Uh, then to functional value, then the ease of doing business value. I think, Corey, that's where you may have been with your uh, Sam's Club. Then individual value, even in a B2B world, then inspirational value. So I think it's interesting to help people understand there's so much more than just functional value. My whole career, when I was a product manager, all I cared about was ROI, right? All I cared about was save time, save money, increase revenues. But it was an interesting because this was just a way to frame it. And so I'm using this as a way to pivot to our poll because we asked the question, what is the hardest part of truly understanding customer value? Getting a true understanding of the market problem and need, understanding the tangible value of the solution, that ROI type stuff, uh, understanding the intangible, the social, the emotional value of a solution, comparing the value of alternate solutions and other, it depends. And Maybe everybody could tell that the comparing the value of alternate solutions was my, oh, shoot, I need a fourth option before I go to other, it depends. Nobody voted for that one. Uh, I'm going to start Dutch with you. Uh, it depends. You're on mute. Yeah, I don't remember what I wrote, um, but- It was brilliant, Dutch. 
<laughs> and, and most of it's based around understanding the market segment and how people in that segment act and feel. So it seems like, you know, a little bit got into getting the true understanding, but it was the, you went into public sector that, you know, a lot of internal products. Yeah. Uh, and I think it just ties back to what we were saying earlier of, you know, maybe the hard, tr hardest part of truly understanding customer value is getting the whole company to be product led and understand the value, not just having the product team understand it. That probably would have been a better one than uh, comparing the value of alternate solutions. Uh, I, yeah. I in, in retrospect, I should have changed that one. I mean, I, I started off as a developer and I always wanted to know the why because it, yeah. it helps you it helps you create it better because if, no matter how it was addressed or what the requirements user story or whatever said, you know, there's nuances in how it can how that solution can be resolved. And uh, there might be a better thing that the engineer comes up with if they understand the why. No, I, I love it. I, 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 I completely and totally get it. May, you were with the 7% of people who said understanding the tangible value of the solution. I am alone. Um, <laughs> I think the when, when we talk about a solution, right, it is usually a single piece within the complex web that is the entire product. And when we sell, we don't generally sell independent solutions. And even when we do, trying to price it is very difficult, right? So what is the value? Like, it, it's like asking how much would a customer pay for this? Well, I mean, like how much money do they have? <laughs> the standard B to E answer. But how, it, it's more of a, like, I think, you know, it's actually not too hard to understand. I feel the intangible value because you can just ask people like, how much do you want this? And they'll tell you like, this is the thing that will change my work forever or I, I don't get it. You know, like you can get that response. But for me, it's, it's about like, how do you even measure that? How do you measure the customer value? Like you measure business value. You can't, it's hard to measure the customer value of a specific solution, especially if it is a subset of the much larger thing. And I think about this from the lens of product operations because like all the solutions that I build are generally extremely <laughs> intangible. I mean, it's a system that people do things on top of and there's no like actual, like it's very difficult to come up with metrics that matter. So, um, like from my lens, I feel like understanding intangible value is actually quite difficult. I, I actually, I, I had never thought about, especially in this, you know, age of platform products and stuff like that, there, you know, it's hard to really get to that tangible value. You, you helped me look at a new lens on it. And I think my bias was, was always that I was so, I've always been a B2B productivity type solution. So it was easy to understand where it comes from, but I, with that lens, I can see how it could be uh, difficult uh, for some people out there. Dom, you were one of the 30% of people who said getting the true understanding of the market problem and need. Yeah, and, and again, um, I took uh, a very specific lens and where I think the hardest part is to remove any corporate bias when you go and talk to customers. Right, remove all your history, remove, you know, all the various biases that you, you may have, 
I think that, you know, to really sit down and understand and listen to, you know, customer pain points. I think that that's the most difficult I have seen in various roles and various companies I've been working with. No, I, I, I get that. Uh, and I think, well, in some cases it's hard because we've, we've talked to a lot of product management teams who aren't allowed to talk to customers. <laughs> and how do you understand the problems and the customers uh, if you can't talk to them? <laughs> so I could see that where it could be hard. Uh, Corey, you and I were part of the 38% uh, that said emotional uh, intangible, the emotional. And, and for me, this comes from uh, reading, uh, God, what was Bob Mesta's uh, book on sales? I can't, it'll come back to me. But uh, he talked about how in the short of the jobs we've done framework, it's not just the functional value, it's the social and emotional value. And, I, and that really working with clients in the past couple of years, I've seen that they've been able to differentiate themselves. The functional stuff is the functional stuff. Most there's, you're getting a lot of parity on those functional values, but if you can get to the peace of mind, uh, clarity, comfort, status, that type of stuff. That's why I went there. I'd love to, you know, your take. Yeah. The, I know that I've nailed that emotional value when there are tears, when there are celebrations, standing up, doing this, like, holy crap, we did it. Uh, or I can do it even better. Um, when there are uh, uh, tears, uh, emotional outbursts, hugs, um, uh, the word F is used, followed by yes. Um, I like Fr those types friend, of things. Friend, yes. Friends, Frank. Friend, yes. F friend. Oh, oh um, the other because I, I, those market value things can be understood with enough research. The cost, you can do math to cost and figure the stuff out. But I can't tell what will make somebody cry. I can't tell what will make somebody come downstairs three floors from their job that we've released a feature and give us a hug. Give every member on the team a hug. That's happened before because their life is better now because we've improved the product that they use six hours a day. That's uncalculable. And yeah. you never know it until after it's happened. But when it does, you've got such good stories for that. Yeah, no, completely and totally. And Steve, thank you for doing the research demand side sales from Bob Mesta. I thought it really helped change my understanding of not just tangible, not just functional value, but uh, the other stuff, which is why I voted that way. Steve, what do you think is the hardest? I'm going to go with the, uh, I think, uh, what, I don't know, somebody said. Uh, the hardest thing is getting a company to recognize that customer value is something that needs to be researched and it's something that needs to be done by product managers because as somebody said a moment ago, uh, I continually engage with product owners specifically um, that have never talked to a customer. And I'm like, then what value do you bring to the bar party? You know, and I'm like, I think I want to play the clip from Office Space where the product manager, you know, takes the specs down to engineering or yeah. doesn't, you know, what would you say you do here? And if we're not representing the market full of customers, then what are we doing? 
And I think sales gets upset at that because they are the voice of the customer, but they're not. They're the voice of a customer. Yeah, and it's hard to get them to look across markets of customers. That was Dutch who said that and his it depends other answer, which I said I should have replaced the comparing the value of alternate solutions. So that that gets you guys to 15% for aligning. They started at the very beginning. Talking what? about the talking about the whole company understanding the value that I give credit to many for starting that. So one see, I'm going to agree. I was agreeing with everybody, but in when in doubt, I will just choose to agree with May because she is so often correct. <laughs> Making it up as I go along. <laughs> I, she is, or it just sounds really good when it comes out, and we you know we don't Welcome figure it out to the club. <laughs> so. We got probably time for one question, depending on how this goes, maybe the, the second question before we get to a wrap up and takeaways. Who should be accountable for understanding customer value? I, this may be a leading question. Uh, I know who, what I think the answer is, but I, I, I wanted to see, you know, in the answers, some people are saying, oh, customer success should be responsible for understanding customer value and sales should be responsible for understanding customer value or services should or cut. Any, anybody want to make any case for anybody but product management? <laughs> Obviously, it should be external consultants, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no? Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to say two things. The, the, the correct answer is everybody. Uh, but the better answer that I've stolen from Caitlin Burgoyne is the person closest to the customer wins. If mm-hmm. sales is closest to the customer, we we run into the problems and hear all the things that Steve said. If customer success is closer to the customer, then you hear all the bad stuff. If product management or or people who care about products and customers, specifically us six, are closest to the customer, then we win. And when we win, we get to make better products that change their uh, lives. And so I love that. And, and actually, it, great to bring her in because she's, I love following her on Twitter. And she's very much in the same mindset of the Bob Mesta stuff when it comes to the social and emotional, when it comes to understanding the value. Uh, she did a great job to be done conversation with, uh, on who's the guy who does Unlearn? Whatever the unlearned guy, uh, she was on his podcast and did a really good. I mean, just like Bob Mesta's book was eye opening for me. Uh, her, her that interview was eye opening for me when it comes to helping really dig into this type of stuff of customer value. So I'm glad you brought her, her in. And uh, to be clear, when she makes reference, that I've I've adopted that from her because she's talking about who's marketing to the customer. I think of yeah. it as who's talking to the customer. I think that's yeah. it's, it's the same concept. No, I, I I get it. I love it. Any other thoughts on that? I, or did Corey steal uh, the win with that one? I think Corey stole the win with that one. I I, I loved it. Uh, I guess we do have time for one more question. Where is the biggest challenge to understanding customer value? There should be a question mark at the end of that. Sorry about that. Sales. (laughs) Sales? Are you joking or do you feel like that is the biggest challenge? I'm not 100% serious. But I think think, um, the way that sometimes things are worded, sometimes stereotypically in sales, 
them talking about things in a way that, you know, it's a used car salesman, you know, you, you tell the customer what they want to hear, uh, or, oh yeah, development's right on that. That's going to be out in a couple of weeks. And it just barely went from the roadmap to the backlog, or maybe it's not even the, just a sketch pad, not even on the roadmap yet. Yeah. Um, and so understanding the value now and futuristically and not lumping it all together, you know, I think it's a challenge. I actually, I, I agree. And I, I, I think that I would call, I would be more the shiny object syndrome because the problem with sales is the customer value is different every customer they're talking to. And so it's the tail wagging the dog when it comes to that. Other thoughts? I think the biggest challenge is product management. That we say, we say, well, gosh, I know I can't visit customers, but I'll continue doing this job anyway. Uh, and I'm amazed at how many product managers and more so marketing managers who want to outsource customer discovery. You know, let's hire an agency to do this, or let's uh, let's filter the information we're getting from sales and support and services. And let me just look into the database and, and fetch my data. And I think the biggest challenge is product managers and product marketing managers don't say this is my number one thing and break down the barriers to their success. I dive into that a little bit. Um, so lately there's been a lot of AI product management tools in quotes. Um, and a lot of people are saying, well, you know, we, especially large scale enterprise B2C, we get a lot of feedback. So um, our product managers don't have time to read a thousand Twitter, Twitter posts or whatever. So let's aggregate and use you know these chat tools to to summarize and condense that into a use like you know large scale customer value things and like there's a part of me that says yes but you know like the summary is great but the part of understanding customer value is like reading between the lines right so I, I'm struggling with that a little bit, mm -hmm. like having these conversations. It's like, I, I love to support you, but I, I, there's some a part of me that feels like something's missing. I, I, it, I'd be interested. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Uh, and I, Steve and I were talking earlier this week. I think that there's a place where authenticity and original thought are going to be a differentiation compared to AI because everybody can get stuff. And I wonder how much AI is going to be the warm tea Right. If you survey people, which do they prefer, hot tea or mm -hmm. cold iced tea? If you did the average, it's going to be <laughs> warm tea, right? And so, is AI just going to sort of miss the subtlety of the segmentation and do that? I don't know. Corey, you got your hand up. Save so, me for myself. Other than the the right answer, which is getting your uh, company to care about it, um, I think the second biggest thing and the more problematic thing is getting customers to really tell you what they're thinking. Um, I, I used to work with a development mentor who said that he had the complete and utter lack of an ability to read people's minds. Um, so, so you're taking us back to, to our superpower conversation it, a month I ago. I mean, it gets back to that. And somebody, uh, I was mentioning it to, to one of the team members today and they said, they like the phrase think louder. 
Um, and I thought that was brilliant because if I'm sitting there trying to watch somebody work or trying to understand the problems, if they don't tell me their thought process and what they're doing, I can guess and I can see, but I can't understand how they're thinking about things or what they're thinking of. So to for them to tell me what they find valuable, it would be great. I would just come out and say, here's what I find valuable, bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Apart from that, they have to walk me through their process and finding customers that are willing to do that. Some people aren't willing to walk you through their process. They don't want to talk about it because they don't want to be seen as dumb or incompetent or whatever. So they won't tell you those things. And if you're a product manager trying to interview a customer who doesn't want to seem incompetent or unsure, you're not going to get the truth from them. And that's hard. I get it. Uh, Dom, any last thoughts on challenges before we... Head to the the wrap up. It's no? just, yeah, no. Go ahead and say okay. it, Dom. I agree with Steve. That's what you were trying to articulate. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. With that said, yeah, let's get to our key takeaways from the conversation. And Dutch, I'm going to start with you. What you know? What's your key takeaway from today's conversation? Everybody's job to understand the why, or at least have access to the why, which is usually the product manager. Uh, I, I, yes, I, I, you, I, you may be hearing that from me in a little bit. Uh, Dom, key takeaway. Um. I, I think you know all the answers we're giving as as a team cohort here are all good feedback. Uh, we're all coming from different um, perspectives, and I, I think for me, every time um, it, it challenges me and motivates me to better understand other perspectives too. Uh, so it's just a continuous learning uh, activity. Well, and that's one of the great things about this is we get to see these different perspectives, right? Somebody who's got B2C experience, somebody who's got government experience, somebody who's got industrial, and then Steve and I, who, <laughs> I don't know, we've done everything. But I, I, I love the different perspectives. That That is a key takeaway. Corey? Uh, I didn't realize I care as much about the emotional impact as apparently I do. Uh, uh, you're talking about high fives and hugs and, cry- and tears. I mean... Those are That's better impactful. stories than than we increased market share by twenty percent. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. And I nobody tend- works late to increase the shareholder value by one and a half percent. We do work late to help that man find his mother who has wandered off in with yeah. her Alzheimer's. Yeah, that's that's meaningful work. I guess that's the other thing is yeah. what does meaningful work mean to you for your customers or whatever. And if you can understand that customer value, it becomes more meaningful for your team, the organization. Yep. May. I learned that Corey has feelings. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, <laughs> I I learned that we um, I think we all care very deeply about you know the work that we do, and it it shows when we talk about customer value because it's like really why we're here and why we actually care about product management because we want to build something that makes sense and that matters like even though we're all working in fairly different fields like the end result's the same we want we want a product that does 
something and it helps the yeah. people who need to use that thing, who needs that I problem agree. solved. Agree completely. Steve. I had an idea a moment ago and then I lost it. Um, I think that uh, I agree with everybody uh, that everybody uh, needs to embrace customer value. Um, and yet I, I challenge all product managers to say, you know, what is your distinctive contribution to your company? It's probably not filling out JIRA tickets. And if, 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 leadership really thinks about value, they realize that sales is closest to prospects, not to markets. They realize that development is closest to technology. Um, who's their go-to for market insight? And you want the answer to be product management. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I'm, I'm building and building and building. The first thing, you know, Corey's talk on it, it's who's closest to the customer in the market, as Steve's saying, the, the stuff from Caitlin. Uh, and we need to be the people who are there understanding it and getting it. Uh, but then we need to be the, the, the amplifiers who empower the whole organization with that understanding. And if we can do that, uh, that's where we can do great things because people are, have passion and purpose to deliver change for these customers who they've gotten to know and love. Uh, I think that the, the final wrap up is, boy, I'm pissed at myself for taking over a hundred episodes to get to customer value because from this conversation, I'm like, holy shit, customer value. Maybe we need to rename it customer value manager, right? Cause this is where we are and what we need to do. Uh, and so I, uh, wow. What a great conversation. Next week we get to take on the other side of this. It's about delivering business value. And so we'll start talking about how do we deliver business value? Cause what our goal is to do both right? Deliver customer value and deliver business value. So guys, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I, again, every week I learn, I grow uh, new perspectives. Uh, May, you open my whole mind to thinking about platform and uh, other things when it comes to the, the, the value, uh, intangible value being hard when it comes to that type of stuff. Uh, and this is why I love this. This is why it empowers me every week. It right, powers me up and it gets us going. So I want to thank everybody, Dutch, Dom, Corey, May, my friend Steve. Uh, we do this every week. Monday, the question goes in. Wednesday, we do the poll. Friday, we have these amazing conversations. Guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next week in the community. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.